Noting what the Native Americans had discovered years before, the white men decided that here was where they wanted to stay. They cleared the heavy forest and transformed the rich soil into fertile farmland, built homes, and then returned to Rhode Island to fetch their families. Others soon followed, and in 1820 a wool factory was opened along the Tunkhannock Creek, finally giving the town its name. Ironically, the factory shut down after only a few years, leaving the town of Factoryville with no factory at all. But people continued to come to the area, attracted by its scenic beauty and the rushing waters of the rivers, and as the population grew, so did the need for establishments. In 1824 the first school was built, doubling as the town church on Sundays, and in 1828 the first post office opened. In 1850 the coming of the railroad and the construction of a depot at the end of town was a tremendous boost to Factoryville. By the late 1800s the little town could boast a population of nearly 900 people, and its busy main street was lined with seven general stores, two hotels, three doctors, a tannery, and a grist mill. In 1882, the population got a boost when a military reserve armory was built on the edge of town. Factoryville's most famous son, Christopher Christie Mathewson, was born there on August 12, 1880, and would go on to become one of the all-time top ten pitchers in baseball history, a ranking he still holds today. Pitching for the New York Giants in the 1905 World Series, Mathewson pitched three shutouts, leading to a Giants victory. Throughout his career, he would win 373 games, becoming a National League record holder. But sadly, on October 7, 1925, at only 45 years of age, Christy Mathewson died of tuberculosis. Fourteen years later, in 1939, he became one of the first baseball players inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Factoryville has always been proud of their most famous resident, and even today his memory is still respectfully honored in the town. The Christie Mathewson Park is a popular spot which sports a large statue of him dressed in his baseball uniform, and each year the town holds a weekend event dubbed the Christie Mathewson Days to commemorate his birthday. By the early 1900s, Factoryville's heydays were over, and by the time Anna and Charles Homeyer purchased a house there in September of 1948, the little town was just a blip on the map. But it was exactly the kind of place Charles Homeyer was looking for. In many ways, Anna Snellman was the perfect mate for a con man like Charles Homeyer. When he first met her in 1942, she was 57 years old, had no known living relatives, and was pretty well financially secure. She wasn't fluent in English, had trouble reading it, and both her health and her eyesight were beginning to fail. Charles knew he could get away with a lot right in front of her, and although he still took precautions, like renting a post office box to correspond with his many lovers, he was also often lax in being careful. He assumed that even if Anna was to come across one of his secret letters, with her poor eyesight and difficulty understanding the language, she wouldn't realize what she was looking at anyway. And he was right. Anna wasn't the problem. It was all the other busybodies living in her house that he needed to concern himself with. Charles swore they were all like little kids, running to tattle 
whenever they had any dirt on him. But it wasn't just the tattling that bothered him. It was the fact that no one in the house seemed to like him very much. He sensed that a lot of them were trying to turn Anna against him, especially her two best friends, Lottie Groth and Teresa Berger. Charles secretly despised the two women, and had done everything he could possibly think of to discourage their visits, but the two women just kept showing up anyway. Anna's nosy friends and neighbors weren't his only problem, though. There was also the issue of money. Anna was financially well off and continued to make money every week with her rent collections, but she was tight and controlling with it. Sure, she paid Charles's room and board, and all the expenses at the house, but she was reluctant to just hand him cash, and every single penny.